Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast discusses sexual assault. Please take care while listening. Accept charges and consent to this recorded call. Press 1. Thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm making it. I'm doing good. It's been so long since we spoke. Oh, gosh. It's been forever. That was Spencer Heron. The real Spencer Heron, on the phone from prison. I'm Andrea Gunning, and this is Betrayal. Episode 8. Thank you for your time. Spencer was apprehensive about going on the record with Jennifer, citing concern for his family and publicity. However, he did agree to speak with Jennifer, and they spoke on a recorded line. They spoke for nearly an hour after not having talked to each other for more than two years. This was an important conversation for Jen, for her personally, but also to hear how he views the situation four years later. And there was some curiosity. Has his incarceration changed his perspective? And what does he plan to do when he's released? Here are excerpts from their call. I just wanted to see if he'd be willing to answer some questions. Well, it's the realization, okay, since I know you're going to, obviously you're going through with it. When he says it, he is referring to this project, the podcast, what you're listening to right now. The realization of it not being over for me. And it's hard enough trying to imagine the difficulties I'm going to face anyway. And this seems just like another layer of it. And that freaks me out. Essentially, Spencer is concerned that making more people aware of his story will make post-prison life more difficult for him. But I can't, obviously, keep you from doing what you need to do to feel better for yourself. Yeah. I know I keep getting back to this, but I'm just so curious as to, like, what you think about that life you were living. 
the main thing I can say is that it had gotten so out of control that it was, I don't want to say living a life of its own, because obviously I was in control of it, but it had taken on a dominance in my life that I didn't see coming. You know, even with the warnings that I had, it obviously wasn't enough to stop everything. Warnings. Like Jennifer's friend's husband calling him? Spencer knew he could tell Jen at any time. Right, but you say didn't see coming, but like it was happening before we got married. Yeah. It was happening all those years before we got married. So knowing that you were like this, why get married? Well, that's the part that's going to be difficult for you to understand or believe. I didn't intend it to keep going. You never stopped. Correct. So at what point did you intend for it not to continue? Oh, from the day that we got back together. Okay, but knowing it was continuing and that you didn't stop, why did you get married? The intentions were always on the positive side, but my actions would win over those intentions. One of the main things I can explain is the ease of the way I found myself in those situations. I'm trying to use an analogy. If you've been to three different grocery stores, even though you don't want to go shop there anymore, it's easier to go to those stores. You've already been to those stores. You're not looking for another store to go to. It's just that store still open. What I'm just trying to say is that, you know, once you, once you had been fooling around for so long, it's not like you got to figure out, how am I going to fool around? I'm not sure how all those women would feel about the grocery store analogy. A few years earlier in his letters, like the ones we heard in episode seven, Spencer seemed to deny culpability by saying women just made themselves available to him. Had time changed the story? In one of the letters that you wrote me, you said that you never sought after it. Do you still feel that way? Well, yes. In this, this, I have to answer this in, in two ways. Yes, meaning that I was never on a long path that I chose to seek it out. It's just an opportunity would present itself. And then before I knew it, I was pursuing it. It's probably not an answer that makes much sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Just because sitting with you. I have seen so much correspondence that I do feel like you sought after it. Sought after might include, come by the wine bar. I'm single for the next few days. I understand that. And I would never argue that that's how you saw it. And I'm sure that no matter how much we talk, there's going to be some things that won't make sense. They don't make sense to me either. And I was the one involved in it. As much as I want to make it better, I know there's going to be a lot of things that aren't. No matter what I say, it's not going to make it better. No, 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 no. Nothing will ever make it better. Not after everything I've read and seen. And the amount. I'll never understand it. I am baffled at how you managed 
so many different people at the same time. Like years, two years, three year long affairs, multiple at a time. When you look back, do you think you might have a problem? And I'm not being facetious. Well, my opinion doesn't matter until I get out there. You can say you don't think you have a problem with alcohol if you never have alcohol around you. I'm dealing with guys who've been in for decades to the guys that just come in a year. You know, most of the staff in the prison system are females, and they're they're not attractive women. And I don't mean to be mean. I mean I, I need to paint a picture for you, right? And these guys will go crazy. Guys in, in the county jail were going crazy and masturbating, publicly masturbating. That still happens in here. Now that's a problem. Maybe it's a different problem, but it's definitely one I don't have. Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't care about that. The last time we talked, I think you felt as if you were fine and cured and it has gone away. I still feel that way, but that's only how I feel. I don't know. No one knows what anything's going to be tomorrow. But the thing is, I guess you and I think of your situation differently because I look at what you were doing our entire marriage from before and the entire every single day of our marriage. You looked me in the eye and lied to me. There are probably days, and I hope to God not many, where you ended up having to sleep with me and another woman on the same day. You brought women into our home. Your sense of betrayal is not a sense at all. It is a very real thing. And I would expect you to deal with it no differently. Any any sane person would deal with it uh, the way you're dealing with it, which is to be dumbfounded and to be angry and everything else that you felt. Now, I'm never going to put words in your mouth or emotions in your, in your personality, but all those things make sense. I couldn't skirt around that if I wanted to. Why would I want to? But do you not see an issue that might need some work, you got yeah. to the point where you were breaking the law, not to mention the disgustingness of it. Do you ever think about the victim? Yeah, of course. I'm sure that's why I'm still here. No immediate expression of remorse. Rather, he thinks of the victim's impact on his parole. I, I'm not tooting my own horn. I just look at the facts. If anybody makes parole, it's somebody like me. I just don't know what to say. I mean, I guess good for her? Yeah. There are guys in here that have been back three, four, five, six times, and they get out on parole every time. And I'm not bitter about that. I don't even think about the TC anymore. I don't think about parole anymore. I do the, I do the next thing. I'm supposed to do that hour. I do the next right thing. Every mm-hmm. hour, and then the next thing after that, and then I go to sleep and I do it all over again. Are you surprised 
that she would do that? I'm surprised at the system more than I'm surprised at her. I'm surprised that the system gives false hope and tells you something's going to happen and then takes it back. That's that's what I say. Yeah, but they couldn't know that she was going to come forward. Well, we don't know. We just, we're assuming. And that's a really mm-hmm. good assumption. You know, I bet a hundred bucks on it. Actually, we do know. In an earlier episode, we learned that the victim wrote and delivered a letter to the parole board herself. So, no, I'm not surprised. I'm sure it was her family more than it was her. Why do you think that? She's an adult now. That doesn't matter. That's all just, you know, interesting drama for the story. What, what matters is that she is hopefully moving on. And as much as I wish I could take it back, I can't take it back. So all I can do is hope, pray for everybody involved to be okay and, and, and move on. Yeah, it's taking a long, long time. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Jen was curious about the letter, so she put in a call to the victim and asked if she would be willing to share it with the podcast. Do you remember when he was first supposed to be paroled? It was last year. It was, I think, either around September or October. 
Yeah, of 21, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you found this out, you decided to write this letter. Do you mind reading it? Yeah, and I was thinking of actually just saying my first name only because this podcast has gotten so much attention. And I thought maybe this could be an example for other people or kids to not be afraid. What you did was so brave and incredible. It's obviously up to you. I just thought it's one thing to say, oh, the victim, right? It's so hard for me. And you know I'm so protective of you and and your identity, but like calling you the victim, you know, it's just, I I get it, obviously, but, you know, you're just so much more than that to me. Thank you. So I wrote, to whom it may concern. First, I would like to say that I don't know what to say other than I am still in my process of healing from what Spencer Heron did to me starting from when I was 15 up until the very early stages of my adult life. At first, when I received the letter with news of him being up for parole, I didn't want to respond or say anything because all I would like to do is move on with my life. However, I realized then that is exactly what he would want. It would have been a disservice to myself and all the young girls out there had I not come forward in the first place. And even now, years later, I am responding to this because I believe he should not be granted parole. People like Spencer Heron, who prey on the innocence and trust of adolescents, do not wake up one day and decide to sexually assault these children. People like him take the time to select their victims and begin the grooming process, just as he did with me. This takes strategy, time, and effort on their part. I wasn't the first victim, and I will not be the last if he is released. Predators, such as Spencer Heron, cannot control their perversions, nor are they willing to. This ends up hurting not only the victims, but their families as well, just like he did to mine. I know a side of him that not many do, and I still live with those images in my mind every day. He is cruel, calculated, manipulative, deceitful, and violent. He has no regard for who he hurts, and I am afraid that there will be more victims if granted parole. I am also afraid for myself. I hope this letter will be taken into consideration. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Sincerely, Rachel. Such a powerful letter to the parole board. And on this podcast, bravely putting her anonymity behind her, claiming her strength, because she's more than a victim. She's Rachel. Whether he would get paroled or not, Spencer would eventually be released. Jen wanted to know, was he prepared? If you want to be successful, don't you think you should think about getting some help? I am. But I can't say that I'm going to until I know what I'm going to be up against when I get out there. Do you guys have therapy and stuff in prison? Nothing even close to anything you might even possibly imagine, you know. Well, that's why I was wondering, like, what your plan is for after you get out. My first plan, and only real plan, is to make sure I'm successful on probation or parole. Because if not, I'll end up right back here. So since we last spoke, 
like, have you thought more about what kind of life you had been leading? Of course. I mean, that's, that's what you do when you're, when you have all this time in here, you can reflect on everything. And then hopefully if you're a person that wants to change, then you figure out how to do it. How do, how, how do you change it to the best of your ability? Really, Spence? Yeah, maybe that's the part that you don't understand because you've never been to prison. But let me tell you, no sane person would ever come back here. Ever. I've earned my time. I've done it. Well, I haven't finished it yet, but I will have done it. And to your point about how I'm going to deal with things, I'm going to look at somebody square in the eye and go, I've done what I was told I had to do. And if you aren't cool with that, then we just won't have, we don't have to be cool. And I know that's going to be a, the majority of my, when I say majority of my past contacts, I'm going to use the word friends. He had done what he was told he had to do. A clean slate. That's what he was after. However, he'll still serve 15 years probation and will be registered as a sex offender. I mean, almost everyone. As you know, the people who have come out to support me outside of one or two people have been all surprises. So I've seen the miracle and how God has used people to get me through this. I've witnessed it. I've experienced it. And I know it's going to be the same on the out there. I don't have to have as many friends as I had before. What I'm saying is I understand and will always understand why people are going to forever pull back. They're going to probably pull back, Spence, because of what you did. I'm just, I'm making the point that it's, it's, it's the betrayal that hurts sometimes more than the action. I'm not opposed to getting help. I'm not opposed to any of that kind of stuff. I'm not saying I don't need it. What I'm saying is I have to, I have to take one thing at a time. And the first thing I have to take control of is making sure I don't ever get in this trouble again. But how do you do that? You, you stay under the radar. You couldn't stay has. under the radar before. You got lucky that you got away with it for so long. I know, you, I know you're being facetious when you say that. What do you mean? Well, I wasn't lucky you got away with it. I was unlucky that I was getting away with it. It would have been better for it to all gone to shit the first time. That's the truth. Was he saying that if he had just gotten caught having a consensual affair, that he wouldn't have committed sexual assault on a teenager? You have one minute left. The call ended. It was polite. Kurt. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Bye. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. 
Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. So let me get this straight. You hadn't talked to him. You hadn't heard his voice in, what was it, two years? Yeah. When he got convicted January 2019, I cut off all communication with him. I was done, you know. He was sent to prison and I was done. I didn't feel like I needed to talk to him anymore. It wasn't doing me any good. And then when we started this podcast, you know, I wanted to talk with him. Were you nervous about talking with him? Like, what were you feeling when you had to answer that phone call? Because he had to call you. Well, I see the call coming in and it says Wilcox State Prison. And my stomach just turns and I get so nervous. And part of it was I knew when I answered that he was going to be all happy and excited to hear from me and everything. And that just... It doesn't sit well with me. Like, does he not understand? Yeah. He's just, I guess it's denial. Do you recognize the person on the phone on the other side? Yes, definitely. He sounds the same, talks the same, tries to spin everything into a positive almost. And the thing is, I'm sure you notice this. He avoids answering any questions. And how did you feel after the call? I got off the phone with him and realized that I never need to speak to him again. Wow. I just feel like I can wash my hands of it. Partly because I'm never going to get the answers. 
he's not capable and it doesn't matter. It's not my problem. It's his problem. I feel like I have put the final piece in a box that I can like pack up, tape up and put away in the attic. We haven't even talked about this yet, but you reached out about an update on his parole. Well, I have a friend that has been so amazing the last four years at always searching to see if dates have changed for parole or whatever. And so I woke up one morning to a text just the other day that said he's getting released June 2022. So within the next three weeks, he's going to be out. Oh, he could be out tomorrow. Right. Andrea, do you remember last summer when we talked on the phone and I was telling you about how Spence was supposed to get paroled like in October? You were in the car like hysterically crying. Yes. And I was really scared. So then when the parole got revoked because the victim wrote the letter, you know, I thought he was going to be in there until June 2023. How does June 2022 differ from June 2021? I think I've just done a lot more work on understanding this mess that I was in and this relationship. And I've healed a lot. And I have to say, the first time that we were in the studio together, I was really angry. I mean, it was still raw. And I was angry at the women. And you looked at me and you said, Jennifer, you're really angry at these women. And I think you need to take a look at that. I was pissed. I was like, what is she talking about? But I thank you for that because I got there. And you seeing that from the beginning and then seeing it when I was able to talk with some of these women and the compassion that was there, I just, I felt it. Yeah. And I said, like, I will not do this project with you if it's coming from a place of anger. It needs to be coming from a place of curiosity and trying to reclaim your life. And you made a commitment to me that day that you would get there. I just, I hadn't learned it at that point. I was still researching and there was so much to read. And then the same story over and over and over and over again with so many different women. I just had to learn. So thanks for sticking it out with me. Absolutely. Thanks for sticking it out with me. Heck yeah. I want to play you something from episode three. Mm -hmm. When you were talking to Rachel, you said something really important, and she said something similar. I just hope that this will help someone out there. I just want this to help someone who's going through the same pain that you went through and that I went through. That's all. I think we've both learned that just sharing this stuff, if it can help one other person be brave. I just know that helping other victims, you know, of betrayal, trauma, grooming, abuse of power was a big part of embarking on this project for you, for Rachel, for me, and our other producers. And I think that's why 
she told her story and felt comfortable coming to you. So I hope it's okay, but I wanted to spend some time to read you some of the letters that we've received from our audience, if that's okay. Sure. Listening to Jennifer's story helped me realize more about an experience I had when I was in high school. I had still not fully made the connection between my experience and being a victim of grooming as a teenager. Putting those missing pieces together has helped me process and untangle some things and really shame I didn't realize was still there. Jennifer, thank you for being courageous and sharing your story. Oh my gosh. I'm going to cry. Well, I am crying. (laughs) Here's another one. In 2008, I was 22 years old, and my 55-year-old boss did many of these exact same things. He somehow talked me into having an affair. I felt beyond sick and uncomfortable about it ever since. I didn't say no, but I wanted to. He made me feel special. All the shitty things. It was a type of an assault on my psyche, my mind, my heart, and my conscience. It took me until this podcast at 37 years old to finally forgive myself. Thanks for giving me space to sit with my feels and open the door to something I didn't think I could heal from. (sighs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) And here's the last one I wanted to share. I discovered my husband calling and visiting massage parlors, offering sexual favors by underage girls whom I believe are victims of trafficking. I relate to the fairy tale, picturesque life of dreams to come in history. Proposed to at a castle in Germany, I've never been a princess type, but he sure made me feel like one. My family loved him as he offered a helping hand to anyone in need, total Boy Scout, do-gooder facade, that was all ingenuine and too good to be true. Jennifer, your story is exactly what I needed to hear at this moment in my life. It has truly impacted my life in the best ways and restored my hope in the potential resilience and recovery and healing of the human spirit. Much love and gratitude. You know, I was really scared to put this out there. It's so personal. It's not a comfortable topic. What do you think you've learned from this? Man, how to be patient, how to be resilient, how to just have faith that the sun would come up the next day. And so hearing that it has helped other people that that that's it that that's the whole reason that I did this I feel like you did your job Jen We are beyond grateful to our listeners for the outpouring of support since we've started so many of you have written into betrayalpod at gmail.com with your personal experiences and questions associated with this story Our plan is to address them, so we're taking a few weeks off, but plan to bring you new episodes with new insights very soon. Stay tuned. If you'd like to reach out to the Betrayal team, email us at betrayalpod at gmail.com. That's betrayalpod at gmail.com. Betrayal is a production of Glass Podcasts, a division of Glass Entertainment Group in partnership with iHeart Podcasts. The show was executive produced by Nancy Glass and Jennifer Faison. Hosted and produced by me, Andrea Gunning. Written and produced by Carrie Hartman. Also produced by Ben Fetterman. Our iHeart team is Allie Perry and Jessica Kreinchik. Sound editing and mixing done by Matt DeVecchio. Betrayal's theme was composed by Oliver Baines. 
Music library provided by Mind Music. And for more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.